This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Squeeze Kids! It's your daily news fix. Fun, free, fresh. Hello there, it's Bryce Corbett here, host of Squiz Kids, welcoming you to the second instalment of this behind-the-scenes series. Because it's the school holidays around the country and we have a pause in proceedings on the daily podcast, we thought we'd take a moment to give you a sneak peek at what we call Squiz Kids Shortcuts. Now, at the end of this podcast, you can listen to the one we did recently on Dr. Seuss, but first, let's explore what Squiz Kids Shortcuts are. In the previous episode in this series, we met the amazing Amanda Bauer, head of Squiz Kids for Schools, and to walk us through what a shortcut is and why you absolutely need them in your child or your classroom's life, please welcome back to the mic the woman herself, Amanda Bauer. Hey, Bryce. Good to be back. (laughs) Sounds a little bit like a game show introduction, doesn't it? I need to work on that. Great to be here. My auntie used to always say, she used to always say like, oh, when you grow up and become a game show host one day. I was like, I never knew whether to say it as a compliment or an insult. (laughs) (laughs) Now, last episode with you, Amanda, we talked about how as a former journalist who saw the light and became a school teacher, you were the (laughs) perfect person to spearhead the Squiz Kids segue into producing resources for schools and educators. We talked through Classroom Companion, the suite of daily worksheets you produce for teachers who have signed up for Squiz Kids for Schools. But there are other elements to the program too, including something called Squiz the World, which we'll explore in the next episode, and Squiz Kids Shortcuts, which I want to explore now. So walk me through the idea behind shortcuts. Alrighty. So every day in the podcast that you produce, Bryce, you give kids an age appropriate snapshot of what's happening in the world around them. Mm-hmm. Now those are sort of bite-sized chunks of audio that are really easy to digest. Yeah. Shortcuts is something more like a substantial meal. It's a <laughs> deep dive either into a topic that's in the news or simply a topic that we know is of high interest to kids. Okay. Uh, like what? Give us some examples. Well, uh, in these Easter school holidays, we have recorded a shortcut on the Titanic because Mm -hmm. we know kids are fascinated by the most famous ship and shipwreck in the world, but also because April marks the anniversary of its fateful one and only Uh voyage. Um, Plus, there's a shortcut on the history and meaning of Anzac Day because, you know, it's on April 25th Mm -hmm. and because it's a really important part of the history curriculum in Australia as well. Okay, cool. So what other topics have we produced shortcuts on? Uh, well, it's a pretty eclectic list. It's one of the things I love about it. We mm. learn new things all the time. Um, we started them back in term four last year. So there's a pretty impressive back catalogue. But yeah. let's say there's shortcuts on earthquakes and volcanoes, the ashes, mm-hmm. clever critters, Dr. Seuss. We're getting to that later. Hamilton, the musical, Islam, autism, the Kid Leroy, Christmas traditions around the world. And you mentioned that, and that is indeed an eclectic list. You mentioned also <laughs> that they are curriculum aligned. Yeah, absolutely. So, for example, this Dr. Seuss one, we talk about his use of rhythm, his nonsense words and other literary devices. And those are things that show up in the curriculum. Mm -hmm. And I also produce activities for teachers to do work through with their students. And Mm -hmm. so in that particular shortcut, we got students writing their own Seuss-like texts and experimenting with that, playing Uh with language. Um, Our Earthquakes and Volcanoes episode hit science curriculum. Our shortcut on pi got it mad. 
maths and, and that's pi 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 yes i'm afraid although we did mention pie a fair bit as well and um to be honest anything that really gets young people listening and thinking and talking about news and current affairs is in fact aligned to listening speaking and text comprehension curriculum okay there you go now um what about also i mean we often talk about in the podcast and we've had a lot of you know parents and teachers give us this feedback too that um the benefits of audio as opposed to the ubiquitous screen time that kids are otherwise involved in. Yeah, so we know that podcasts are really popular with parents and teachers because it isn't on a screen. Kids are really Mm -hmm. good at understanding what they see on screens and they do a lot of screen time. But um, this is, is working on them being off their screens and we know that improving oral comprehension skills is a really important part of the national curriculum, but honestly Mm -hmm. just of life. I mean, if you think about what kind of kids we want to be raising and educating, we want people who can listen, who can empathise, who can Mm -hmm. think critically, who can ask good questions, who are informed about the world around them. It sounds lofty, but that really is our mission. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, any good parent or teacher knows that it's always better to show than tell. So rather than describe what our shortcuts are all about, we've stuck the Dr. Seuss shortcut at the end of this podcast. So keep listen at the end if you're curious about that meanwhile though if you're an educator listening to this and you're curious about trialing squiz kids for schools in your classrooms where amanda can they go to find out more well, we have a heap of information about Squiz Kids for Schools on our website. Um, there's mm-hmm. samples of the Classroom Companion activity sheets. There are samples of Shortcuts and Squiz the World podcasts. That's squizkids.com.au. Mm-hmm. There's also like a handy explainer video on how to use Squiz Kids for Schools. There's an FAQ that answers all your burning questions about everything from content to price. Awesome. And because we're big believers in try before you buy, we're offering a free 30-day trial, which gives teachers plenty of time to dip in and see the resources in action in their classroom. So you can sign up either through the link in the episode notes to this podcast or via our website, squizkids.com.au. That's right. And we found when we started doing these that there were quite a lot of parents who really wanted to be listening to these shortcuts and some of our other special things like Squiz the World. We'll talk about that soon. And Mm -hmm. so we've catered for parents as well. We certainly have. As you say, if you're a parent wanting to add shortcuts or Squiz the World, which is where you take kids on an audio excursion to a different country each week, plus a weekly kids versus adult news quiz, which is enormously popular amongst our audience, (laughs) then our Apple subscriber offer is just for you. And because we like to give here at Squiz Kids, it all comes with an impressive back catalogue of very cool content, all of the stuff we've produced over the last six months and some of which we've talked about just now. All you have to do is search Squiz Kids in the Apple Podcasts app and sign up where it says Give Me More to access a free seven-day trial. Perfect, I would suggest, for those long Easter holiday road trips. Yeah, you can get through a lot of shortcuts in seven days. (laughs) (laughs) All right, that's enough spruiking for one day. Amanda, can I possibly tempt you to come back later in the week to chat through and provide the people with a sneak peek of Squiz the World? It's honestly so good, I think it deserves its own little moment in the sun. Absolutely. I'll see you back here in a few days. I'll bring the Squiz Kids supersonic, super-fast jetliner and you bring your passport. (laughs) Excellent. You got yourself a deal. And don't forget to keep listening to the end of this podcast if you want to catch the Dr. Seuss shortcut. And in the meantime, there's nothing left to do but suggest that everyone gets out there and has a most excellent day. Over and out.
He brought us Barbaloots, Wockets and the Zizzazazazaz. His middle name is actually pronounced Zoice and he makes millions of dollars every year, even though he died in 1991. This is your Squeeze Kids Shortcut to Dr Seuss, the podcast where we dive into the who, what, when, where, why and how of the big news stories. I'm Amanda Bauer. And I'm Bryce Corwood. Theodore Seuss Geisel, known and loved by his pen name Dr Seuss, was born on March 2, 1904. Even though Dr Seuss died 31 years ago, kids all over the world celebrate Dr Seuss Day every March 2nd. And this week, we're going to celebrate him too. That's right. Today, we'll take you through who Dr Seuss was, what makes his book so fantastic, and why his foundation decided last year to stop printing six of his books. Listen carefully, there's a squiz at the end. Who? Little Theodore Seuss Geisel was born in Springfield, Massachusetts, in America, in 1904. His dad's name was Theodore Geisel, and so was his grandfather's. Mm -hmm. Ted's middle name was his mum's last name before she got married. Both sides of his family originally came from Germany, so the traditional way of pronouncing his name was Theodor Zeus Geisel. Ah, so when and why did Ted Geisel start calling himself Dr. Seuss? Well, Bryce, this is a pretty funny story. From a very young age, Ted loved to read and draw. Mm -hmm. He contributed cartoons to his high school newspaper and then he went off to university at Dartmouth College. Mm -hmm. Now, when he started uni, it was during a time in American history called Prohibition when alcohol was completely against the law. Oh, and let me guess, university students weren't so great at following those rules. You are correct. Mm. So Ted had a bit of a party in his room with nine other students and they were caught having a drink. (gasps) Ted's punishment was that he couldn't do any outside activities, including writing and drawing for the university newspaper. Now, he loved doing that so much, he decided he would keep going and just sign his drawings with his middle name, Seuss. Ah, so when did he add the doctor? Well, that's also kind of a funny story. His dad had always wanted Ted to study medicine. Mm -hmm. So instead of becoming a doctor, he just made himself one in front of his pen name (laughs) and became Dr Seuss. That's brilliant. A pen name, of course, means the name that someone uses instead of their real name when they're publishing books. So did Dr Seuss start writing kids' books as soon as he left university? Actually, no. His first job was as a cartoonist and illustrator for magazines. But Mm -hmm. in 1936, he was on a boat with his wife and the rhythm of the engines got him thinking of a line that ended up in his first children's book. Wow. And that is a story that no one can beat and to think that I saw it on Mulberry Street. Oh, oh, I know that one. That's the book about a kid called Marco who uses his imagination to dream up a parade of characters that go past him on his walk home. So did Dr Seuss actually live on Mulberry Street or did he just make that up? Yeah, well, Mulberry Street is a real story in Springfield where Dr Seuss grew up. He didn't live right on it, but the town of Springfield has this fantastic website where you can actually play a matching game online with some of the drawings from the book 
and photos of wow. landmarks in the city from ni- from the 1930s. Cool. Yeah, I'll pop that link in your episode notes. So his first book was published in 1937. How many books did he write? Uh, well, more than 40, Bryce, which is pretty wow. impressive. Yeah. yeah. Whenever he got stuck for ideas for a book, he'd put on one of the crazy hats he kept in his cupboard for inspiration <laughs> and get back into it. Oh, I need some it. of those. Yeah, so do I. <laughs> By 1991, when he died at the age of 87, his books had sold more than 600 million copies and been Whoa. translated into more than 20 languages. His Amazing. books inspired 11 television specials, five feature mm-hmm. films, a Broadway wow. musical and four television Whoa. series, and huh. he won all kinds of awards, including two Oscars, two Emmys, a special Pulitzer Prize and two honorary PhDs. Ah, PhD, of course. When you get a PhD, you can call yourself doctor. So then he really was Dr Geisel. Or Dr Dr Seuss. (laughs) (laughs) Despite delighting billions of kids over the decades, Dr Seuss himself never had kids. He once said, you have them, I'll entertain them. (laughs) And he's definitely done that. His books are still so popular that last year he earned $48 million. And that's... 30 years after he died. Wow. In fact, he has made the list of the world's highest paid dead celebrities every year since 2001 when it was first published. (laughs) Who even knew that list existed? Right. So, Amanda, what is it about Dr Seuss's books that kids love so much? What? Bryce, tell me how you feel about anapestic tetrameter. (laughs) Anna what now? Anapestic tetrameter. So that's a poetic metre used by many famous writers throughout English literature. Okay, so when you say metre, I don't think you mean like 100 centimetres, do you? No, I don't. Metre is the word you use to describe the rhythm of a poem. And Mm -hmm. Dr Seuss's books are written as poems. So have a listen to these lines from Yertle the Turtle and the emphasis that you hear in the syllables. Okay. And today, the great Yertle, that marvellous he, is king of the mud. That is all he can see. So there are two weak syllables and then a strong one. And Mm -hmm. that repeats four times every line. Now, most people, adults and kids, aren't going to listen to a Dr Seuss book and think, aha, I like this because of the anapestic tetrameter. (laughs) (laughs) No, probably not, but we definitely do respond to rhythm, don't we? Yeah, exactly. It's just pleasing to our ears. Mm. And the other thing that's very pleasing to our ears are the ridiculous, hilarious rhymes that Dr Seuss's books have in spades. Sometimes I feel quite certain there's a jerton in the curtain, a zlock behind the clock, and that zelf up on the shelf, I've talked to him myself. Those made-up creatures that are hiding behind and rhyming with everyday objects. It's brilliant. Not just brilliant, Bryce, but it's really helpful if you're learning to read. I mean, what a great way to tell the difference between certain, spelled C-E-R-T-A-I-N, and curtain, Mm. C-U-R-T-A-I-N. Dr Seuss was really great at making it fun to learn to read. But was he really trying to help kids learn to read or not just convince us, say, to try new foods like in Green Eggs and Ham? Well, that is the perfect example to bring up. Did you know that Green Eggs and Ham only contains 50 words in the whole story? Wow. 
Yep, there's heaps of repetition. And Dr. Seuss wrote it to win a bet. So he'd only used 236 words for The Cat in the Hat. And his publisher had asked him to write that because kids were finding those learn-to-read books that have lots of repetition really boring. And so the challenge was to write a learn-to-read book that was fun. And after The Cat was such a hit, his publisher bet him he couldn't write a book with even fewer words. Well, he definitely won that bet. Now, Amanda, with Dr. Seuss so beloved, why is it that the Dr. Seuss Foundation announced that it wouldn't publish six of his books anymore? Why? Well, when Dr. Seuss was still alive, he made some changes to his first book and to think that I saw it on Mulberry Street Mm. because he realised that it included some racist stereotypes. Ah, a stereotype, of course, is a fixed idea about a group of people that may be untrue or only partially true. For example, it's a sexist stereotype to say that all boys love football or that all girls want to be ballerinas. It sure is. I love footy and I've never done a day of ballet in my life. (laughs) So although Dr Seuss had made some changes to those racist stereotypes during his lifetime, Mm. last year on March the 2nd, Dr Seuss Day, Dr Seuss Enterprises announced that they were no longer going to publish six of his books because they still portrayed some people in ways that were hurtful and wrong, and that's their words. They said they wanted to make sure that Dr Seuss's work represented and supported all communities and families. Well, I'm glad there's still dozens more Dr. Seuss books for us all to get stuck into. That's right. Time for the quiz. This is the part of the podcast where you get to test how well you've been listening. Question number one. How many words are used in green eggs and ham? That's right, it's 50. Question number two. Which country did Theodore Seuss Geisel's family originally come from? That is correct, it's Germany. Question number three. We talked about the stereotype that all girls love ballet. What other silly stereotypes have you heard? Well, of course, there's no one right answer for that, but I'm sure that you've got some great examples to discuss amongst yourselves. That's all we have time for today. Thanks for joining us as we explored the who, what, how, where, when and why of Dr Seuss. Now get out there and have a most excellent Dr Seuss-inspired day. Over and out. Out.